Welcome everyone, live from McKillop College Werribee in Melbourne, Australia, you're listening to Mac Live on Live FM. My name is Anne and my co-hosts today are Naomi, Rachel and Alex. Our special guests today are Emily Tester and Ashwini Kulkarni from Headspace. Hi, Ashwini and Emily. How are you today? Hi, everyone. Hi. Good, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Um, so first up, we'd like to just ask you some questions about like where you're from and like the organisation that you do work for. First off, just tell us like abroad, what does Headspace do and what do they offer? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so Ashwini and I are from Headspace Werribee. So we're based in Werribee and there's lots of different Headspaces all around the country and we have some online services as well. Yep. Um, at Headspace Werribee, we're like a health service, we usually say, um, focused on young people. So we offer lots of different um, services to young people in the community. Yep. Most of our services are around kind of mental health. So we have a lot of young people that come and see us to access counselling services. So if they're not feeling great, they can have a little bit of a chat with somebody um, who can help them figure out some strategies to maybe deal with what's going on in their life or just have like a safe space to come and talk. Yep. We do also have um, some other really cool things that young people can do so they can interact with one of our education and employment specialists um, and they're workers who can have a little bit of a chat with young people about what kind of job they want to do or what study paths they want to go down and then work with them um, to get gain employment um, or training that they need, all of that kind of employment stuff. We also have um, a couple of peer workers on site. So we have a peer worker who works with young people who can sit down and have like a casual chat with young people um, and we also have a family peer worker who can work with um, families of young people maybe who are experiencing some mental health um, challenges or just want some advice. The other service that we have on site at the moment is um, a GP, so young people that want access to a doctor who understands what it's like to be a young person and is kind of youth-friendly, they can yep. come and have a chat to the doctor as well um, and that just works like a normal GP would work. Beautiful. Lots of different things. Love yeah. it. Um, with that, does it – do the person – like does the person who has – like who comes, do they have to tell like their guardian or their parent – like, because sometimes it's a little bit of a touchy subject that they mm. want to keep to themselves. Do they have to tell someone else? Yeah. So if you're over 16, yep. um, you can access Headspace services independently. Mm -hmm. If you're under 16, um, maybe it depends on the circumstance a little bit. So the best thing to do would probably be to give um, our reception team a call and they can figure out maybe what's happening in that particular situation. Yep. Um, if you call reception, you don't have to kind of speak to your parents to do that. Um, but if it goes a little bit further than that, then maybe um, we will check in with your parents, but we'll kind of talk to that young person before yep. we do that as of well. Of course, so. yeah. No worries. And is that a pay – is there a, like any fees or costs? Because, you know, being young, you don't really have that much money. Totally. Um, does it – are there any fees or any of the costs that are involved? Yeah, so everything we offer at Headspace Werribee is free of charge. Um, there sometimes is a little bit of paperwork that you might need to do, yep. um, but we'll chat to you when you come and um, access amazing. the service. But No Beautiful. money, yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, I was wondering if um, I know a lot of kids who come from like minority groups, for example, if you're like a person of color, if you want to talk about stuff based in that, like based in racism, is it possible for you to specifically recommend um, people who have like similar identities to you? Yeah, I can take that on. Um Yes, that is a very big issue when um, people from culturally and linguistically, linguistically diverse backgrounds come to Headspace. Um, it's almost a sort of tradition for the clinicians to be culturally trained either way. So 
our clinicians are open to listening to, um, I guess, the identity and the gender and sexual identity background of it. Um, in terms of particular ways that you can go about it is asking the clinician what your goals and your therapeutic goals are in general. And if they involve things about speaking um, about identity and racism and things like that, yeah, we are capable of doing that as well. Yeah, I think it's really hard as a young person because yeah. those things are really scary and they can be really big conversations. I think that sometimes you'll be able to speak with a clinician of a similar cultural background, mm -hmm. um, but sometimes we might not have a clinician from your cultural background, but all of our clinicians, like Ashwini was saying, are super open to having really open conversations um, and I think something that maybe young people don't know is often when you're having a counselling appointment that's led by the young person or led by the person that is conducting the appointment, which means that the things that you want to bring up are the things that your counsellor will kind of talk through with you as well. So that means if you do want to have those conversations about racism, your clinician or your counsellor will be a really open voice for you to have a, that conversation with. So even if they maybe have a different cultural experience to you, they'll be really open to what your experience has been um, and really listen to you and think about you maybe as the expert in your own life as well. Yep. It should be pretty empowering for you. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. And in those sort of ways as well, I think it's important to open up that conversation with your clinician that you would want to speak about that culture and um, the clinician can perhaps spend time with you to understand what culture means to you and what cultural background means to you. And that is how we get to the almost nitty gritty of the things that you're describing. Yep. Mm. Thank you. Mm. Thank you. Um, so um, what uh, made you become a uh, mental health worker? These questions are great, but <laughs> um, very interesting. Um, Ashwini, would you like to answer that one? Sure. I think, um, so I'm a provisional psychologist with Headspace, so I'm working clinically one-on-one. -on -one, and I think being in the mental health field, my personal experience has been that I just love playing a role in getting people to understand their inner experiences um, and understanding what's happening for them. But also at a community level, um, there are systemically placed barriers where uh, minority communities aren't quite exactly given the voice that they deserve. And so for me, it's amplifying their voices and empowering individuals to speak up about the things that are happening for them and their communities. That's my interest in mental health. So do you think it's important to uh, teach early on about this mental health? I certainly think so. I think mental health in general and well-being in general starts from very early on. And having an understanding of what well-being means to you um, should probably start from pretty early on. Yeah, totally. I think for me, why I wanted to get involved in the mental health industry or support people, I grew up um, in Wyndham and for me um, – there wasn't maybe a lot of mental health support. So starting to provide what that looks like to young people, um, both through services like Headspace, but also providing information to young people, like you were saying, teaching them early on how to protect their own mental well-being um, and kind of put those support strategies in is really important. Just gives them a chance to maybe have a little bit of power over their mental health mm. um, and do things to protect it early on so that they don't need that support later on because they kind of know what strategies work for them or how to stay really mentally healthy. Really good yeah. question. And I guess I just wanted to ask you what advice you'd give to the young adults who, are, who tend to battle with mental health on their own and tend to disregard it. Like what would you say? Hmm. Another really interesting <laughs> question. I think um, in terms of advice, often at Headspace um, we're not necessarily giving advice. We're often 
um, talking with young people and figuring out what they want to do with them rather than being like, you should do this. It's about figuring out what's going to work for that individual person. Um, I think when you say for young people that are battling on their own though, is that if you feel like maybe you don't have the support in your life that might be helpful for you, um, the first thing to do would be to talk to someone and that might be a friend, it might be a family member, somebody that you trust. Um, but I think those services are there and that services like Headspace, but there's heaps of other services across the community as well. So a really good one might be checking in with Wyndham Youth Services or it might be um, a religious group or a sports team, wherever you kind of feel safe, starting to access support um, from the networks around you and from the services in the community can be a really good thing. The other thing that I would uh, suggest to people is if you're um, trying to build your own mental health strategies and protect your own mental health and look after yourself to figure out where the information you're um, consuming is coming from. So sometimes um, we can look for mental health support on things like TikTok or Instagram or um, other like particularly online or maybe from other people in our lives and that can be really helpful and give us lots of ideas but it also sometimes isn't the most reliable information so sometimes coming to a service like Headspace can give us reliable information about our mental health um, and it doesn't necessarily need to be you working one-on-one -on -one with a counsellor it can just be coming onto our website and having a look at some of that information or coming having a chat to our peer worker about where they can where you can access reliable support and where they can maybe give you some support in that space as yeah. well. Yeah. And I think um, that's a really good point um, in terms of, I guess, young people feeling the need to battle it out for themselves and things like that. And may, they may not exactly feel comfortable seeking out supports. But I think what's important is to be reflexive of your own experiences in that case, um, where you understand that there are certain aspects in your thoughts, maybe your behaviors, maybe or your feelings, maybe that things have changed and that you're struggling in those aspects. And then honing in on those kind of strategies, if you are seeking support from um, let's say social media but again the disclaimer is to understand where your supports are coming from and where your information is coming um, from as well yeah yeah thank you um i just wanted to ask uh the four of us are all year 12 so we've got sacs and exams coming on but also just for like the general school stress that every year like high school student faces what are ways to deal with anxiety and stress about schoolwork and especially exams yeah, it's a big question. <laughs> hey, I think um, the first strategy that I would kind of suggest is to think about your well-being um, overall. So doing the things in your routine that you know are going to make you feel good. So stuff like eating well if you can, trying to get enough sleep, trying to get outside, trying to exercise, those really basic skills that we all know are good for us but sometimes when we get a little bit stressed – those things can slip away, really focusing on them and trying to build a little bit of routine um, can help you in times that you feel stressed because it can make sure that you're taking care of your body um, and your mind in the way that um, is going to help you, even if it feels a little bit overwhelming at that point in time. Um, the other things that I would suggest is creating connections with people around you. So trying to check in with friends and family um, and make sure that if you can, your relationships are really strong and sometimes that means being a little bit maybe vulnerable or having some conversations with friends and family saying like I'm a bit stressed out at this time um, can you be a little bit gentle with me can you maybe hang out with me I really want some of this like positive relationships in my life at this point um, and also thinking about maybe your goals and your motivations for doing things. So I think in year 12, we can feel really stressed and stress isn't necessarily a bad thing in our lives. Our stress often says like, I care about this thing. 
um, if using exams as an example, exams are really stressful because we care about the outcome. We want to do well. We want to, um, we feel like that's a marker of success in our life. And that's a useful feeling to have. It kind of motivates us to do well. Where stress becomes a little bit less um, useful is when it becomes overwhelming and we start to shut down or we're maybe not doing things that we would normally do or not enjoying our life. And so thinking about um where's the point where this stress is useful? It's a little bit motivating, but if it starts to become overwhelming, then stepping back and being like, what does this exam actually mean to me? Or what is this stressful time? What's the important part of this? And what's like a little bit too much worrying or anxiety? Um, And if that's starting to get a little bit overwhelming, stepping back, putting in some of those self-care strategies and really thinking about how you can protect your own well-being or look after yourself in those situations. Yeah, and I think echoing what Emily's saying, it's important to realise where your functioning is lacking at that point as well. Um, Anxiety and stresses during year 12 are completely normal, but I think when it becomes something that is, you know, stopping you from eating, stopping you from sleeping and you're worrying often and all of your thoughts are containing that worry and stresses in them, that's when I think you need to step back and sort of be a little bit more mindful and reflexive of that. Uh, But the self-care strategies is one of the biggest advice or I guess biggest thing that I would say is do the activities that give you that sense of pleasure and accomplishment set time for the things that you genuinely do enjoy. I completely understand it's a very, very busy year. And yes, sometimes it can feel a little bit icky to kind of just be like, oh, I'm enjoying myself and that's difficult. But it's important to have those activities because they are the ones that you genuinely enjoy and that's what's going to elevate your moods and your stresses. Mm. Lessen them. (laughs) I think when we think about our bodies, those things that we enjoy are the things that send our bodies really happy chemicals. Mm. Um, And so it's easier to study and focus and do the things that we need to do when our bodies have those chemicals flowing through them. But if we're not doing anything that we enjoy, then our bodies aren't responding to that, which means our mental health isn't as strong because we're not getting the physical chemicals running through our bloodstream that we need um, to want to participate in life or to do the things that may be a little bit more difficult. Yeah. And sorry, one more thing in terms of, I guess, self-care, the relaxation techniques like mindfulness are one of the biggest ones, as you mentioned, for anxieties and stresses related. When you're feeling anxious, you're feeling it in your body, you're feeling that heart racing, you're feeling that, you know, the physiological symptoms that um, anxiety comes with. And so mindfulness, relaxation techniques are one of the biggest ones that kind of take control of those bodily symptoms of stress and anxiety. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I I know that you did just kind of touch base on it, but I know like from growing up with older generations surrounding you saying like, oh, mental health isn't important. Like they didn't, they didn't have that background knowledge of how important it is in society these days. Mm. How are you like younger people meant to know when their mental health is actually a problem? Like when is it affecting their life and when they should go to kind of talk to someone else external? Yeah, I think um, for us, we would suggest talking to someone all the time, even when you're kind of feeling good. Um, And that doesn't mean that you always have to be having really heavy conversations, but consistently kind of checking in with yourself internally um, and checking in with the people around you externally as well. Mm -hmm. So I think um, we often can realize maybe when we don't feel good, but sometimes we'll wait to seek support or to talk to somebody else until we're feeling really bad. But the best time to actually seek that support is when we're feeling... um, pretty good because that's when we can start to practice those strategies that we can use then when we're not feeling as good. So stuff like mindfulness, like Ashwini was talking about, that strategy can be quite difficult um, to implement when you're 
feeling really stressed out or you're not in the best part of your life. So the best time to kind of practice those skills is when you actually are feeling um, great because you can practice those strategies that you then have um, ready to use when you're feeling a little bit worse. I think it's worth um, maybe noting if you're starting to see some changes maybe in your own behaviour or you're struggling to feel motivated or to do the things that um, you want to do or that you need to do, that might be an indication for a lot of young people that they um, maybe need to seek, seek some support. Um, another one can be if they're withdrawing from maybe family and friends and not being as social as they normally would be, that can also be um, a sign that maybe it's time to have a chat to somebody about um, getting some support. But I think generally you can't come too early. Like yeah. come and talk yeah. to us. Yeah. Uh, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Mac Live on Live FM, live from McKillop College, Werribee in Melbourne, Australia. My name is Anne and my co-hosts today are Naomi, Rachel and Alex. Our special guests today are Emily Tester and Ashwini Kulkarni from Headspace. Um, I just wanted to ask, uh, this is kind of like a transitional period for all the year 12s because we're like transitioning from being students to young adults as like functioning members of society what um advice would you have for people who are like intimidated by this change that's an interesting question um and by intimidation do you mean it's because you're in that uncomfortable space that you don't know what's happening yeah because it's like a new space that we haven't really experienced before yeah, and I guess what I'm trying to um, understand is that that is a normal thing. When mm-hmm. we go for new experiences, oftentimes there is some sort of anxiety there and there's some sort of, sort of stress there. For example, me coming here, that is something new I'm doing. And so you, it's normal to feel that nerves, but I think giving it a um, go, but also being proud that you're you know, giving it a go is very important. Um, you know, reflecting on, I guess, the strengths you hold in yourself to be capable of experiencing new things is a very reflection, a very good reflection to have for yourself as well. Yep. Thank you. Yeah, I think sometimes with those transition times as well, it's thinking about um, maybe what the end goal will be. So focusing maybe a little bit more into the future and thinking about, hey, this feels a little bit uncomfortable at the moment, but I know what I'm working towards Mm. as well. So thinking about where you want to get there. And also I think um, your 12s are lucky because everyone goes through a transition period at the same time. So you have your friends that you can draw on and you have your family members who are maybe understanding um, what's happening. You kind of have a community around you. So drawing on other people that are going through that transition and being comfortable sitting in that uncertainty Mm. and that uncomfortable space as well. Like Ashwini was saying, it's really normal to feel nervous, um, but taking a little bit of joy maybe in the excitement of that nervousness as well, because you don't know what's coming and it could be the best thing that's ever happened. I think peer support is the best strength that you can draw on in those sort of transition periods because you just know that other people are also feeling the same way and you're not alone in feeling that way. Yeah. Yeah. I bet as we get to the end of the year, a lot of you 12s are very excited for that transition (laughs) to come, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Um, So speaking on how you were saying like there's friends and there's family all around you, um, how can you support them and show like – you're that you're there for them and if they do need help like how do you make yourself comfortable like and ready kind of to be that person yeah 
I think there's a few different um, strategies that we have and that's a really good question because I think for a lot of young people, supporting the other people in their life um, is really important to them. Mm-hmm. I think that young people sometimes um, can recognise that they need to support somebody else maybe even before they realise that they need to support themselves. And also you're probably more likely um, to notice something going on with your friend or for your friend to come and tell you something than um, we are at Headspace at that point in time because we kind of see our friends all the time we're most likely to kind of notice something going on with them and be able to start that conversation and link them in with support I think the first thing is if um, what your friend is kind of experiencing feels like a little bit too much for you um, thinking about how you support yourself as well and trying to link your friend in with a service is really important or some other supports so that could be um, encouraging your friend maybe to speak with school well-being come and speak to the well-being team here it could be reaching out to um, a group or an adult that you trust and being like hey I think this person is maybe going through something is there some strategies that I can use and that might be a little bit more individual than something that we can offer generally or it might be coming to Headspace and having a little bit of a chat. Um, if your friend's really nervous to seek support as well, you can go through that process with them. You can kind of walk them through step by step. You can take them, come with them to their appointment at Headspace um, and just wait for them while they're there. You can help them make that phone call if you feel like they really need some support and it's maybe something that's a little bit bigger than you know how to manage at that point in time. I think also you can just be a good friend to your friends. So often um, if we're feeling a little bit down, what we actually need is people around us who are showing that they care about us. So it could be something like, hey, I've noticed you're a little bit down. Do you just want to go for a walk together? Do you want to go for a bike ride? Do you want to grab some um, lunch on Saturday? Do you just want to play some online games together? Doing stuff that makes that person feel like they have a community and they have friends and networks in their lives that really the life that really cares about them can be um, the best way of showing support because it just lets that person know that they're really cared about and that somebody does um, want to be part of their life. The third thing I would say is um, encouraging your friend – oh, lost my train of thought. <laughs> um, I think <laughs> mental health conversations can oftentimes be – just uncomfortable space you're not sure what to say but I think the way you do that is to be very patient and very kind and very validating it's important to take those conversations seriously and to take those you know that your friend is saying those mental health conversations seriously and to ensuring that they know that you're there as a year of support and encourage them to seek further support if required so I think of Overall, it's being kind and being validating and that they're not alone in experiencing this and that they are able to seek out and reach help and seek support and you're supporting them throughout that. Yeah. Yep. That's the third thing. (laughs) Kind of decreasing that stigma in the community and being open with those conversations and happy to talk about mental health is that way that you support your friend as well so that they know that you're a safe space to talk to, that you're going to be validating, like Ashwini said, that you're going to be open to what they're saying. Beautiful. Yeah. Um, you two seem very well versed in this topic and I just wanted to ask what mental health means to you. It's a good question. <laughs> it's really <laughs> that's a tough one. As a as a psychologist, I feel like you don't really um think about that yourself because you're kind of trained to yeah. think about what mental health means. So oh that's gonna require a lot of reflection <laughs> on my part. Um I think what mental health means to me is that I enjoy things that I have always enjoyed, that I'm functioning healthily and 
but what that means for me is that my own sleep schedule, my own sleep routine, so my own food intake is, you know, what I deem it to be normal and what I deem it to be, you know, fine. I feel like mental health encompasses a lot of things. Mental health is, you know, the behavioral side of it, the thought side of it. Am I feeling good about myself? Am I feeling positively about how I am as a person? That's important to take note of. Um, if I am feeling a little bit of, you know, oh, I don't feel so good about myself and, you know, I'm thinking negatively about myself or I'm thinking negatively about how I'm feeling, then that would be a red flag for myself personally that, okay, maybe something's going on there that needs to be further explored. Um, so I guess to answer your question, mental health for me is reflecting on how I'm feeling within myself. How is my outwardly body feeling in terms of sleep and all of those patterns? And how are my behaviors in terms of my self-care? Yeah. Yeah. I think often when we're talking about mental health in the community at the moment, we're talking about people who maybe are having poor mental health or struggling with their mental health a little bit. But what mental health means to me is often that I am feeling and thinking things that I want to be, like Ashwin was saying, I think feeling good and being able to think clearly and think thoughts um, positively is a really important part of mental health and not just looking at my mental health as in like, am I feeling bad? How do I stop feeling bad? Because those feelings sometimes are natural and we need to feel them um, and work through them. But how do I get to a point where I am feeling and thinking in the way that I want to be? Yeah. That's what mental health means to me. Yeah. I think a lot of time, like in society that mental health, everyone thinks of like is negative and always bad and like Mm. you should be seeking like support, but there's also the other side of mental health where it's always positive and like if you feel happy about yourself like that's good mental health and that's what you thrive to have but no one really talks about that side totally focusing on those things that make us really enjoy life so stuff like being part of a group can be a really um positive thing that we're doing or I know a lot of people will do mindfulness and feel great after doing that focusing on those things throughout your day um, and the positives that are happening and where your mental health is really good I think is a really great way of approaching it because it means Mm. that you're focusing on a the strengths that you have but be the things that are going really well for you as well and that will improve your overall mental health yeah yeah um, for one of the final questions, I just want to ask, like, there's a lot of support services for the youth and for the younger generations, but as we know, like, a lot of older people do also struggle with mental health. What do you think, like, do you think that it's more kind of popular in the younger generations or do older people kind of battle with mental health a lot as well? They just don't want to show it as much? Mm-hmm. I think mental health is a huge issue for everyone in our community. It's something that we're constantly working on in the same way that we're working on our overall health. So I think mental health is part of that, Mm -hmm. but every single person is constantly working on their health. So you need to eat right, sleep right. You need to move your body as much as you can. You need to um, focus on like those positive mental health strategies. It's an issue for everyone in the community. But what I think is really cool is that young people, I think are actually leading the conversation around mental health and positive Mm -hmm. mental health. I think this is a great example of the fact that you all chose to um, look at mental health as a topic and kind of provide that reliable information to young people in the community, but also their families um, and the networks around them. At Headspace, we work with young people 12 to 25 and we kind of work with their families as well. So I said like we have a family peer worker, but through the conversations that we have with young people, it's so clear that they are the ones who are really motivated to change how we're talking about mental health in society um, and to really focus on what good mental health looks like. How do we actually feel and think the best that we can rather than just thinking, um, only thinking about mental health maybe when it isn't as positive or when we're struggling a little bit. Really, um, young people seem really focused on having a community that is really 
comfortable with their own mental health with having those conversations but also that is looking out for each other um, and maybe isn't accepting things like discrimination or things like um, inequality that we know contribute to having poor mental health for different community members as well. Yeah. Mm. I think it's really cool to watch the youth leadership in this space to yeah. watch how young people are changing the game, I guess. Yeah. I guess jumping off of that question, I wanted to ask how um, we would go about introducing the concepts of mental health and self-care to our parents who, mm. uh, especially my parents are from a different cultural background and they've had they've been taught one thing their entire life and they're also immigrants so they haven't really had the ability to think about self-care and mental health um they've more so had to think about just succeeding in a different environment um so how would someone like me go about introducing the concepts of self-care to my parents um that's an excellent question i think um as our mental health literacy increases and our understanding of mental health increases, um, there's a lot of, I guess, information out there um, in terms of mental health in um, general for all dynamics of you know, age cohorts and everybody else as well. In particular with your question, I completely understand that point of being an immigrant and I guess um, having to echo those Western norms of um, what the rightful member of society looks like. And I think that's what's important to reflect on kind of, I guess, distancing yourself from those Western norms of um, what mental health or what not mental health would look like for um, immigration and other backgrounds as well. So in terms of, I guess, talking to your parents about it, it's important to um, reflect on questions such as, why is mental health not a conversation in this household? What's happened that's where's that stigma placed in that culture where um, mental health is not necessarily spoken about as much um, thinking about what their self-care looks like thinking about I guess what mental health actually means to them if their mental health doesn't necessarily involve um, I guess doing mindfulness that's completely fine but it's important to really pinpoint how are they feeling those thoughts and those behaviors and those feelings that's when you have to kind of acknowledge that those triangles are really interacting with each other for everybody um, may it be immigrants or may it be um, you know citizens or whatever it might be but I think it's important to kind of echo on um, how you're feeling in terms of your mental health um, and then also reflecting on how those cultural norms are coming into play here. Yeah, I think yeah. as a young person, it can be really hard to navigate that space, though, especially if you're maybe a young person who's sitting in between a couple of cultures. So you're kind of experiencing one thing in your day to day life, but at home you have a really strong culture as well. And maybe um, there's an online culture that you're involved in as well. And it's about sometimes, like Ashwin was saying, picking different things from that and realizing what's important to you, what's valuable to you, and then acting on those things. Like I was saying before as well, I think that. Um, the best time to maybe address those things is when we are feeling good and we're a little bit calmer. So talking about mental health frequently with our families or with our communities rather than waiting until we're struggling mm. to open up that conversation. Starting the conversation when we're feeling a little bit better or a little bit stronger um, can mean that when we are having a tougher time, we've already kind of addressed that, set up what it might look like with our families, talked about what's important to us as individuals but also within our community or within our family group. What's, mm. what's the family values here? what's our community's values and how do we support each other in a way that feels really comfortable um, for me as an individual but also for other people from my culture or other people from my like a similar group to myself. 
Yeah, I think the biggest thing is genuinely just starting that conversation. Um, you can't, you don't have to label it like mental health, but I think that well-being aspect of it, what does well-being look like for you as an individual, but for us as a family system? I think once you start having those conversations, you can narrow down on points of what it means to have good mental health and what it means to have your own self-care routines. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. So this is a bit off topic. I was just wondering, uh, how long have you actually been working at Headspace for? Uh, I've worked there for about two years now, just under. Uh, yeah, I've worked at Headspace for a couple of months. Um, I'm on placement at Headspace, yeah. Do you see yourself um, changing jobs anytime soon? Or <laughs> do you enjoy your work? Do you have a job for me, Alex? Is that <laughs> are you offering me employment? No. Sparky? Um, yeah, no, I really love working at Headspace. Yeah. I think that I really like working with young people. I think that the thing that I value most about my job is watching young people, like I was saying before, be really open to these conversations and be really willing to share those conversations with other young people and want to support each other. Um, at Headspace, we try to be led by young people. So we have a group of young people that work at that volunteer with us um, called our Youth Advocacy Group. And they come up with lots of different projects within the community. Um, so at the moment, they're working on an expo for year 12s and also a project um, supporting young people's sexual health. So trying to provide reliable information um, and working alongside them is the best ever so I want to stay for ages. I completely agree with Emily I think the projects that are going on at Headspace are excellent but uh, personally what I also enjoy is not just working with a young person but I work within the systems of the family and the culture and the dynamics that we were speaking about earlier we incorporate that in their care and so when you do that you're really addressing the different points of where it, mental well-being is taking a hit. So for um, if you so any students that who do want to come like come part of the mental health field, what advice do you have for them? And do you think that it will be hard because you're taking in so much of like other people's like dilemmas and complications? Mm. Is it hard yourself mentally to deal with that? And like, do you think that it's yeah? <laughs> That's a really fun question because I get asked that very often as you know a clinician working in the mental yeah. health field. It's, I guess, my personally personal thing is that I have very strong self-care. Um, I need to kind of really, again, take care of my own mental health. Yeah. If I take care of my own mental health, then I'm capable of taking care of someone else's. Um, yes, you're taking knowledge in from everywhere. And what's fun about this field, if anyone is interested, is you'll never stop learning. You're always learning and you're always absorbing so much information and you're absorbing so many experiences that yes sometimes it might take that oh okay they stay with you but having your own self-care and acknowledging that it's not your experience and that you are able to um, I guess acknowledge that you can detach yourself from those and have your own self-care that's what yeah. makes you a good, good clinician in my personal opinion. I yeah. think the other thing that's really important for me is that the work is really valuable. So getting to work alongside someone um, and support them in improving what their life looks like um, is really rewarding. It's a really nice mm. experience um, to be able to support somebody in that space or to be able to work with them to figure out what is going to help them is a really special thing to be able to yeah. do. Um, I think often when we are talking about improving our mental health, it's about thinking about what's important to us or what's valuable to us. And for me, what's valuable um, is feeling connected to other people and feeling mm -hmm. like I'm part of a community. 
Um, and so that is something that really drives me forward. So like Ashwini was saying, our self-care is really important in looking after ourselves maybe on those tougher days, but also thinking about it maybe in a big picture sense and being yeah. like, it's really important to me that everybody in my community is feeling good. And so being able to support people to feel good is um, a really special thing. And I feel yeah. a lot of gratitude to be able to be yeah. part of that experience yeah. as well. And Definitely. part of my self-care really is about gratitude about what I get to do and if you zoom out it's about empowering communities empowering individuals and their systems to really you know be their best selves and at the end of the day I think that's what the job is about and I think that's what gives me the most I guess oh I want to be in this field you know I want to be there for you know people yeah yeah I just think what you guys do is absolutely like amazing and it's so inspiring to younger people because you're you have that care and that warmth, like that people want to come and talk to you. And I just, I think it's amazing what you guys do. And I thank you so much. Thanks, Rachel. Thank you. I think it's also though acknowledging that the young people that come and speak to us at Headspace, they're the ones who are doing something yes. amazing. Like, <laughs> if you're the one who's going to come out and seek support and be open to somebody um, maybe helping you to put those strategies in for yourself or help you to figure out what is going to work for you to make you feel better, that's amazing. That's so yeah. It's so courageous. brave. It's so brave. It yeah. can be so scary to start that conversation. Yeah. Um, and we get to see that every day. We get to see people be really brave and be really courageous in um, seeking support and coming and chatting mm -hmm. to us. If there's one thing that we could probably say, though, it's that sometimes that can feel really scary uh, but if you do come and chat to us at headspace like we are really understanding and really friendly to young people like we're set up there to be a space that young people can come and chat to so yep. please feel free to come yes. and do that yep. we're not gonna be we're not scary we actually love our jobs we love being able to interact with you um, and support you and we're not gonna like tell you what to do it's more about setting up um, a space for you to be able to explore what that looks like yeah yeah that's about all that's all we have time for today. Thank you to our guests, Emily Tester and Ashwini Klakarni. Um, it's been a huge pleasure to talk to you guys today. Uh, live from McKillop College, Werribee in Melbourne, Australia, you have been listening to Mac Live on Live FM. My name is Anne and my co-host today are Naomi, Rachel and Alex. Thank you for joining us. We hope you have found the information today useful. Until next time, have a great day. <laughs>